Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Jumpstart Your Joy. Today on the podcast, I have an interview with Cameron Adair of Game Quitters, which is a support group for people with video game addiction. First, I want to say welcome to everyone, listeners new and old, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. If you are listening and you want to follow along on the show notes for this, you can find everything over at the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 47, and that'll have all the links that Cam and I talk about. And if you would like to subscribe, you can find the show over at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and now iHeartRadio. And of course, if you're over on iTunes, please leave a favorable review or comment. I love hearing what you guys have to say. Today's episode, first, Cameron is so amazing, and I just loved our conversation for so many reasons. One is that we're talking about addiction, and if you go back to the episode with Melissa Sue Tucker, we talked about supporting people who have addiction in their families and lives in that episode as well, and she's actually who introduced me to Cam. What I love about this conversation is that we get into the topic of addiction, and while this is specifically around video games, which is important, um, addiction is addiction, and I love that Cam touches on that very early in this conversation. In addition to the fact of, I ask a question about where's the crossroads of pleasure and joy versus addiction. Of course, this show is about joy. Where does one cross the line? I was super interested in that bit of the conversation. And his answer is around the conflict. So when it starts being a problem in your life, it gets in the way of you doing other things. So Cam's addiction is and was to gaming. and But he even mentions that this applies to any number of other sorts of addictions. The other reason I really love this conversation is I I love video games. <laughs> and if you listen, you know that I met my husband in World of Warcraft. <laughs> we were actually both playing avatars, and that's how we met. So it's part of my story, and I do love games, and I'm fascinated by them. I've also worked at IGN. And, and I will say that while World of Warcraft was a game that I really enjoyed, and uh, it's amazing on so many different levels, from the graphics to the music. I mean, it's really, it was a, la- a, a groundbreaking and amazing title. Um, there was another game more recently, uh, Game of War. Definitely took over my life, and probably in a very addictive fashion, where I couldn't put it down. And I talk about it in this episode some more. Um, but it's interesting to see how, where one thing could be within a healthy zone for somebody, that it could easily fall into a different area dependent on their time of their life and what else they're going through. And as we talk about this, this game came into my life at a point where I really wanted to to numb out because I was in a very bad job uh, that had a hostile environment. And yeah, I wanted an escape and I could see that. And frankly, (laughs) once I was out of that job, I actually stopped playing that game. So it's interesting with that lens to think about my own life and what Cam and I then talk about. This is such a timely discussion because Cam and I spoke before the launch of Pokemon Go. So if you haven't heard about it, it's a game where you collect Pokemons and train them. And it's an app on the phone. I was out this last weekend and, I mean, just saw so many people. It's amazing to see all these people out and about in parks and whatnot playing Pokemon Go. 
But I think if you are someone who has downloaded that game and are playing it, or you're the parents of children who are playing the game, it's really interesting to look at, one, how video games are so very real and you're developing real relationships in them, but also how video games can become addictive and are addictive and are intended to be that way by the game makers. So without further ado, I bring to you the interview with Cameron Adair. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Cam. Thanks. You just jumped right in. You were like in it. Exactly. (laughs) So would you like to talk a little bit about what your early sparks of joy were growing up? My early sparks of joy, I think for me, hockey was always that. Mm. Um, I tell people now, like, if you want to see the most authentic version of myself, we just need to go skating or ice skating Mm. for Americans listening to this. Because that was just, anytime I was on the ice, that's definitely where, you know, my true kind of like child came out. Yeah. Yeah. I I lived in Minnesota for a while, so I kind of know that that's what, the kind of all-inclusiveness <laughs> whatever the all extensiveness of ice skating um and hockey how would you how would you describe your role now oh i have 15 things to describe uh but for me right now the main thing i do is is i lead uh, a community a support community for people who struggle with video game addiction and and so that has me in lots of different hats you know i speak at colleges and universities and private high schools and uh, I interact with the community online, and I have a YouTube channel where I share a lot of videos on the subject. So that's one thing. And then, you know, I also go surfing, and I DJ, and I love to travel. I was just nomad for two and a half years, so I love to travel and and just uh, experience new things and meet new people and just see what the world has to offer. So um, that's awesome. That's really what kind of like makes me happy. All of those things. Yeah, it's so interesting because. I- there's uh, always, well, it seems like there's a lot of what we call multi-passionates on this show. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. the work of Emily Wapnick, but, and people can go back to the show notes, but she is kind of the founder of that movement mm-hmm. <laughs> of the uh, multi-passionates, and she has a great TED Talk, too. But it's just interesting when it's like you can't really decide on one thing. So, yeah, do all the things. You know, I, I get so bored if I only focus on one thing. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I have found the things in my life that I really do love. So, you know, like outside of uh, building a business that's around something specific that I love, which is the game quitter stuff and speaking, which I love and, and DJing, which I've done now for quite a while, you know, surfing something new. Now it's like amongst all of those plus travel, I don't really know how many new things I'm going to be adding. Cause I just love all of those so much. But yeah. if I only did one of them, I would just, I would burn out very quickly. So I actually, and I think this is part of like, you know, for anyone listening to this, you have to understand what it is that you need and you have to understand what it is that you love and and how you can kind of sustain like this amazing life. And so for Mm -hmm. me, it's the combination of multiple different things really keeps me engaged. But that also comes with, you have to have the awareness to not get distracted uh, by all these different <laughs> things because that's like yeah. the blessing and the curse, right? You love all these yeah. different things, but then you don't choose any of them. So I choose yeah. specific ones and I make sure I focus and schedule my time wisely. Yeah, and that is really hard or can be because I certainly have that kind of multitude of interests as well. And mm-hmm. it's kind of that the juggling of, okay, now I'm going to focus on this for today and then tomorrow maybe something else. I'll be out mm-hmm. in the garden or whatever it is for me. But yeah. It's fun. It makes it. It keeps everything fresh too, in a way. At least for me. 
Yeah, and like life is amazing, but life is also long, and it's also short. And for me to only invest all my time and energy into one thing, I just, I don't know, I would lose interest pretty quickly. And even with working out, that was a big goal of mine this year to start really going after that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started hitting the weights. So I'd go to the gym like five days a week and that was cool. But then I added yoga. And so I go to yoga twice a week after this, I'm actually going to, to yoga. And then when I moved to San Diego a couple months ago, I added surfing. And so I hit mm-hmm. weights three times. I go to yoga twice and I go surfing twice a week. Now, every day I'm doing something active, but if I only did one of those, I don't think I would go seven days a week. I'd get kind of bored, but because I have each of them, yoga is very kind of yin. It's like stretching and mindfulness, and I feel amazing after I do it because I've had a moment to kind of reconnect. It helps my flexibility. Weights mm-hmm. is like the the masculine, like very <laughs> like, you know, I'm improving my strength. I'm building my muscles. Uh, I'm getting some of that aggression out. And then surfing is just play. It's just fun. Yeah. There's no goal behind it. It's just out in nature, reconnecting with water, being out there to have fun and to play. But, you know, when you're paddling, it's like it's a good workout. So Mm -hmm. all those combinations hitting each of those pillars for me really helps me to stay active every single day over the course of the last year instead of, you know, burning out after a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. I like that approach. I need something, as my son would say, more similar. <laughs> yeah. You just got to find yeah. what works for you, right? Like totally. that's one of the biggest things I'm about is just trying to find what works for you and just experimenting constantly to try and figure that out. I don't know if this is a, a way that I approach life that's different than other people, but I really do take this very, like, I'm just experimenting to try to figure out what works. And if something doesn't work, that's cool. How can I just like try something else, whether it's with exercise or work or my diet or where I live or the relationships I have, like whatever it is, I'm just always constantly trying to experiment to figure out how I can find that perfect synergy. Yeah. So how let's talk about Game Quitters. Okay. What is it and how did you come about forming it and uh, and kind of what's the background on it? Yeah, so Game Quitters today is the world's largest support community online for video game addiction. And mm-hmm. we have members in 55 countries, which, like, blows my mind. Um, yeah. You know, last year we started in January, so we're about a year and a half into it. And just to have the response that we've had is, is truly incredible and, and brings a lot of joy to my life. But how it all started was from my own personal journey. So growing up, you know, I played video games. I went to school. I played hockey, and everything was cool. And then I started to be bullied a lot in uh, the eighth grade This started. Mm-hmm. And so when that started to happen, I was like, you know, school and hockey isn't so much fun anymore because I'm being bullied, but video games are a lot of fun. And yeah. so I ended up dropping out of high school twice, never graduated, never went to college. And the less I went to school, the less I played hockey, the more I played video games. So over the course of um, a couple of years, I was really depressed, kind of came to a point where I wrote a suicide note and then realized like, okay, uh, this is a bit extreme and I need to make some changes in my life. And what happened was I realized that although gaming wasn't necessarily like the problem in my life, Mm -hmm. it was the crutch. So it's what allowed me to escape having to deal with any of my problems. So I realized that if I was actually going to fix my problems, which was the whole intention of me continuing to live my life, then I needed to quit gaming and fix them. So that's what I did. And it was all good for two years, actually, until I relapsed. 
And when mm-hmm. I relapsed, I went from playing no video games for two years to playing video games 16 hours a day for five months straight. Wow. And it was really extreme. Like, I, like, ate, slept, and gamed, and that was it. In, in fact, I was living with a couple roommates, and my favorite part of the entire time we lived together was when they went out of town for three weeks so that I could just game in peace with no one to wow. even notice that I was gaming all day. So, you know, I kind of came to a point during that five months where I realized this is completely out of control again, and I really need to quit once again, but this time, instead of just quitting cold turkey and, like, just never being home and just going out and, like, meeting people and trying to, like, avoid gaming, what I focused on was, you know, why was it that I went from no games for two years to gaming 16 hours a day? Like, what drew me back to games? Yeah. And I realized that there were four specific reasons. And for me, this is like, although gaming is the topic, I think you could replace gaming with anything. So mm-hmm. we all have a crutch. And yeah. for me, it was gaming. But for someone else, it could be Netflix or social media or drugs or alcohol or sex or porn or anything. Like, it could be anything. And you just have to identify what it is that is kind of like holding you back from being your happiest and most fulfilled. For me, what helped was identifying why I was drawn to to it, whatever that crutch was. So I realized I was drawn to it for four specific reasons, and it was temporary escape, so they allowed me to escape having to deal with my problems. The second was social connection, so I was playing with friends. I had friends online. The third was challenge, so Mm -hmm. I had a sense of purpose behind why I was playing. I always knew what I needed to do next. And the fourth reason was constant measurable growth. So I got to see my progress and I got to see feedback and I got it through instant gratification. You know, I mentioned earlier, I go surfing now and the only way I know I'm getting better at surfing is I fall on my face less. So I don't have a badge. I don't have like a high score. I don't have a trophy. Mm-hmm. I just go out and don't fall so much. So yeah. it's much harder to see that progress. And I realized it was all those reasons why I played And what happened was I wrote this article called How to Quit Playing Video Games Forever, just kind of to share my story and and what I had learned. And it just went viral. And that turned into a TEDx talk, and that had a really good response. And then I realized, you know, I should do something more. And there's a lot of other people out there right now who are struggling, and they need help and deserve help. And so we launched Game Quitters, and, yeah, it's been amazing. Wow. I love that you you kind of touched on the fact that it – is not about the gaming mm-hmm. or it's not about the, the crutch. Cause mm-hmm. uh, there's a book that coaching we read and it's uh, women, food and God. My big takeaway from reading it was really, it's not about the food. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same things that you're saying. I mean, mm-hmm. not the social, I mean, maybe sometimes food is a social event, but that people, you know, immerse themselves as a way to numb and, and to mm-hmm. hide and all of those other things, even if there is true pleasure in it. Because what I wonder, too, is kind of where is that crossroads of when is something enjoyable and brings you joy, and but when does it cross over to being, I'll say a problem, but I don't, I don't like that word so much. You know, when is it clearly addiction and mm-hmm. it's no longer something that's just a, a pleasure? Yeah, so the word we look for is conflict, mm, and that's really yeah. the difference. And, and this is why I think it's so important to, to identify how all of this interacts with your own life. You know, I'm certainly not against gaming. I know that you mentioned earlier that you, you used to game or still do. And, you know, for me, that's totally <laughs> yeah. cool. I'm, I'm the last person to be against gaming. Yeah. There is a certain group that do struggle with it, just like there's a certain group that 
can eat and they're fine and there's a certain group that that's actually a huge problem. And yeah. same thing with porn and all these different things. So it's just having that self-awareness to identify how these interact in your own life and mm-hmm. what is it in your own life that is creating conflict. Like maybe those could be relationships, that could be family, that could be a roommate situation. It could be lots of different things, but identifying that yourself and then identifying are these things having a positive or negative impact. So for Mm me, gaming was having a positive impact for a time, and then that changed to a negative impact when I was pretending to have jobs and I was actually at home gaming. I wasn't working. I was (laughs) pretending to have jobs. I was deceiving my family for me to stay home and game. So clear conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Or when I stopped working uh, after I, I had a job and I just gamed 16 hours a day for five months and I didn't even want to hang out with my roommates. Like, that's a conflict. And so there's always underlying reasons why these are happening and that's what we need to get to is like, uh, yeah, when I was feeling depressed, gaming allowed me to escape from that. But it didn't mm-hmm. fix it. Right. So as soon as I stopped gaming, I was still depressed and I had to fix that. And whether it's emotional eating or anything else, I think the underlying reasons are still going to be the same. Yeah, that's, and that is super interesting because, yeah, as you mentioned, I I played World of Warcraft, and I don't know that that ever, I don't ever think that became, you know, there was no conflict there. I mean, sometimes I stayed up too late because mm-hmm. we raided like three t- times a week. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing, too, so for me is that there was another game, Game of War, which mm-hmm. is an iPhone game, which... I really think they probably manufactured to tie into people's mm-hmm. uh, natural proclivity. Yep. You got I cannot it. say the you word. Yes. Um, but to be like in the game because it never ended. Mm-hmm. Like it was always, there was always someone on and it wasn't like your character would ever be out of the game. Mm-hmm. Your city was live all the time and could be attacked. And so then it was tying into this. Oh my gosh. You know, and there was therein lied the problem because I could not pull myself away. So absolutely. I, I'll admit. <laughs> We're Wonder having an intervention live on the podcast. A problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And games are designed differently nowadays. Like, yeah. you know, even for me, I'm 28. So in a lot of ways, I'm a baby. But in gaming age, I'm very much the average. And, you know, growing up, like I played games like StarCraft or Counter-Strike or World of Warcraft. And even now, especially with mobile apps, the game design is completely different. So things like turn-based delays where you start playing and then they say you can no longer game for an entire day unless you pay $5. That's that's a type of feature in in the game now that's completely different than back in the day. Like back in the day, it would have been you had to pay money to play the game or maybe you got a free trial before you had to pay, but just delaying you 24 hours until you can play again unless you pay is when it comes to psychology, very, very deceptive in a lot of ways and causes a lot of people to pay a lot of money to continue to play these games in which, other than just some simple entertainment, they're not getting any real return on their value. So that's one example. But then in things like Counter-Strike Go, where you can skin bet and there's no regulation for teenagers to be able to Uh, where technically it's not betting because it's a virtual good, but then these virtual goods have value on third place marketplaces. You know, like there's a lot of different game design that's happening now, especially as video games and gambling fields are uh, merging that Mm -hmm. I think 
we have to have this conversation and it's not about whether games are good or bad. It's just, Hey, we also need to identify what's going on here and make sure that people who are at risk are able to get the support they need. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And it is interesting that the, what kind of the rise of having a device in your pocket all the time that can process this data quickly enough so that you can play all the time. It brings a whole different set of games and, constant in you know interaction to life because i mean i know in that i mean not to go back to that game which i don't recommend to anyone Mm -hmm. but like you know you would get alerts in the middle of the night that you were being attacked and then of course if if you're hooked you wake up and go take necessary action so right but yeah so where does that draw the line and is there something that needs to be put into place either by the person or in a larger way so that people aren't allowing themselves to be woken up and then feel the inclination to go play a game. Right. And the mindset or the question I would encourage people listening to this to ask themselves is, are they having fun or are they happy? And to me, there's a clear difference. So having, it's not that uh, if you're having fun, you can't be happy or if if you're happy, you're not having fun. But the difference and the distinction I try to make is having fun is things like you're stimulated and happiness is fulfillment. So Mm -hmm. are you stimulated or are you fulfilled? And a lot of, at least our community, when they're gaming, they're very stimulated. Their dopamine centers are skyrocketing because they're getting badges and points. And you could have the same thing happen in, in many other things as well, food as well. But are you fulfilled, right? And when you're not doing that thing, are you depressed? And just identifying that in your own life Are Mm -hmm. you just posting that photo on Instagram because you want to get a bunch of likes, which, again, fire off your dopamine center so it makes you Mm -hmm. feel stimulated, it makes you feel like you are happy, but you're not actually happy because you have to do that to feel good about yourself. And Mm -hmm. that's the distinction. You have to pay attention to whether you're stimulated or you're happy. And if you're fulfilled, great. If you're not, then how can we help work more towards that because that's really where you're most inspired and that's really where you're going to feel most alive. Yeah. Mm, Yes. I like that a lot. And I think it's a very, it's a really thoughtful differentiation between those two states, which we probably in this society right now don't make too much of a distinction between those two states of being. Especially with people growing up. And so in our community, a lot of what we see is a lot of them are, their concept of what life is about is actually that they're supposed to be stimulated. Or you could say they're supposed to be entertained. And I believe that fulfillment comes from engagement. So when I'm out surfing, I'm fully engaged. I'm not just doing it to feel entertained. I'm like engaged in the experience. I'm going surfing tomorrow at 7 a.m. and I can't wait because I know (laughs) it's super early in the morning. We're going to be able to like feel the morning air. I'm going with a friend. Like it's going to be an amazing morning experience. Surfing is just one of the things that we're doing, but we're fully yeah. engaged, right? Versus mm. this very passive, I'm like supposed to sit in a chair and have stimulation and entertainment come at me. And I think that especially the way we're raised nowadays, we have developed this idea that we're just supposed to be entertained all the time. And we don't develop the skills to actually be able to engage in our life and think about, you know, what is our vision or what do we want? What are our goals? Where do we really want to go and then have the tools to be actually able to go out and do it? Yes, I I fully agree because there is something, I mean, really engagement and presence 
one in the same there. And what I'm thinking about is so my son is five and there, I see some, I mean, I don't know that I'm always great about being a mom. Like we, you know, we always have our moments, but there are some parents that it is very much about that entertain, 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 but it's not then as a coach would say, like dropping into the mm-hmm. present moment to say, you know, either to build like, I don't even know, like kind of, curiosity or creativity or that, that it's just a constant entertainment and it's at such a level that I I wonder how some of these children will be able to differentiate for themselves later like you know they're gonna they are going to feel like they're missing something maybe if they aren't always entertained by something else exactly and that's what I see happen where you know people go to quit playing video games for example and they're like well if I do that I'm gonna lose all of my friends and I'm like, yeah, that's probably going to happen, but that's okay. We can make some new friends. And for them, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, but I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. Right? And so we've lost these soft skills that we used to develop when we had to be outside all the time. Where mm-hmm. We had no choice but to be spontaneous or to interact with our neighborhood kids or to be creative to come up with games to play because we had no choice. Like We were outside, so we had to become independent in those ways. And it wasn't just that we were outside, but we developed all of these soft skills. And now we're just not developing them in the same way. So what happens is even if we come to a point where we realize that we want to make a switch, we don't even know how we would do it anyways. And that's a lot of what I see. And so I'm a big believer in developing these soft skills. So putting yourself in situations where you know, you focus on your social skills or you work on discipline or your ability to focus or developing empathy for other people and developing these these skills so that regardless of what you want to do or these goals or, or dreams that you end up realizing over time, you then are the type of person who's able to kind of go after them. And mm-hmm. uh, for me personally, I think travel is like one of the best ways that you can develop a lot of these skills because you're constantly put in challenging situations. You're constantly put outside your comfort zone and you have no one else to rely on except yourself because you're in the middle of nowhere in a foreign country where you don't even speak the language and you just lost your bank card. And there's no one else that you can depend on in that moment except yourself, but you develop these really good skills by doing that. Yeah. Well, and is there, I mean, do you guys talk some about how, how to deal with that, that difference of having friends that have, because it really takes, I guess I'm going a little, I'm stepping backwards a little bit, but like, it's almost like the old notion of a location ship, right? Instead mm-hmm. of a relationship where you come to be friends with people because they are at your school or, I mean, in a lot of cases, if you're in a big guild or whatever, you you come to be friends with these people because you all are now doing the next thing in the game mm-hmm. that the game presents for you, but you may not have anything in common with them at all right. <laughs> in real life. So, how do you, do you guys in Game Coders talk about how do you build those skills or, or is that one of the focuses of your group? Yeah, so there's a bit to unpack there, but the quick yeah. answer <laughs> is yes, absolutely. I, I think gaming, especially with Game Coders, I, I talk a lot about how gaming is like just step one and living mm-hmm. like an awesome, passionate, fulfilling life is step two. And to do that involves many different areas of your life. So for me, gaming is just the initial kind of starting point. And then beyond mm-hmm. that, it's helping them with everything else. Now, there's an important distinction to make, and I know that you understand this because you gamed. The people that you're friends with online are real relationships. Oh, totally. Yeah. Those are real relationships and those matter. But some of them, yes, a certain percentage 
are just based on what I describe as convenience. You exactly. are yeah. online, you play together, and once you remove gaming as the commonality, you're going to lose some percentage of your friends. And mm-hmm. that's not just exclusive to gaming. When I moved from Canada to the U.S., I also lost a percentage of my friends because I no longer lived in the same town. And mm-hmm. yeah, our relationship was just based on us living in the same city. So the the important thing, though, is to identify which friends of yours are there no matter what. Because those right. are your real friends, right? I was just talking to a friend yesterday, and she's back in my hometown. And no matter what city I'm in, we find time to chat. Uh, no matter where I'm traveling in the world, no matter, she just quit her job. I, for me, I could really care less about like what she does for work or as long as she's happy and, and we'll be friends for life, right? Mm-hmm. So identifying those are important and also developing the skills to be able to go out there and meet some new friends that have the same values that you have. And as you're changing into an, a, a better version of yourself by going through this process of personal development, your values are going to change and your interests are going to change and so are your friends in some way and that's okay but being able yeah. to connect with the right people is really important. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that you pointed out that yes, friends in games are very much real friends. I mean, it's uh for people who if you're if you're listening and you're like, "Yeah, right," because <laughs> and you haven't played a lot of games, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it either until I spent a lot of time in a game and mm-hmm. Uh, eventually met the man I have since married. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and we don't talk about the game. I mean, every once in a while, we kind of reflect back on some of the people we used to play with. But but we don't talk about that anymore. I mean, then there was more to us meeting than, you know, being two characters in a game. It was what? There's more to the relationship than it was just figuring out some, some puzzles or, or whatever we were doing that day online. But it's interesting because I think it is hard for people to understand and maybe that's a really good topic to maybe touch on for a minute, especially if you're a parent and you have a kid and they're they're online a lot and they say, but my friends, like mm-hmm. kind of understanding that that really is a real connection and, prob- and, it, and it feels real and it is real for them. And so if you're asking them to leave, well, some of that resistance to not play the game is because they will miss their friends, mm-hmm. but there's more to it if they really are, in fact, playing too many hours a day or whatever. Absolutely, 100%. And I think for parents, at least, it's really important to identify that because for them, you can't just say, just go outside, right? Mm. Like, or or just, just go talk to people. Because for them, like, they might have intense social anxiety that you don't know about. Um, they might not even know what to talk about, right? And for them, especially if they've been gaming since they were really young, the one topic that they know about is games, and so mm-hmm. for them to be able to make new friends, like they need just a little bit more help than that, right? Like I have members where, you know, we, we put up videos on YouTube and they literally asked me, someone emailed me today and said, hey, what can I invite my friends to other than to just go and play video games? <laughs> and for him, like that's an honest question. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, I could be like, wow, how does he not be able to think about that? Can he think about going to the movies or going to the mall or like, I could just shame him for that, or I could recognize that there's an innocence to the question. He's being genuine. He actually doesn't know. And mm. by me sharing 15 different ideas, I think, in about 10 seconds I came up with, now he's able to use that and be able to invite his friends to go do some other things. He's able mm. to take action on it. And so I think first 
if you're a parent, you have to identify that those are real relationships to them. And any time that you say that they're not, that creates a disconnect between your child and you. And so any time that you're trying to encourage them to do something different or change their behavior, well, now you no longer have their trust because you don't understand them and their friends who play these games. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to listen to you. So even though you're trying to help and you're trying to do the right things, you don't have the trust and the rapport because they feel misunderstood every time you, you talk to them. So you have to identify that and you have to like let that kind of concept of real relationships don't happen online go. Um, as you shared, you ended up getting married. So that was a very real <laughs> yeah. relationship. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, actually give them like some more help instead of just saying, oh, just go outside or something like that. Try to give them just a little bit more advice to be able to take action. Like, hey, why don't you invite them to do this? Hey, why don't you invite them to do that? Why don't you go to the gym together? Anything, just a little bit more that makes it easy for them. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Because it, it may be that for years it's, for whatever reason, with no judgments around it at all, that it, there hasn't been a lot of communication with some some parents and children. And that this is an opportunity to re you know, revisit maybe how that relationship works and uh-huh. show them, you know, what you know from being a kid. You know, what did you do as a child and, and dig into that and share that with them, too? Because that's also kind of, in the, I know my my son loves to hear about, like, what I was like when I was five, which really isn't that different. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, he has a leap pad, but it's uh-huh. very rarely requested. And we don't really, we don't offer it that often, but just because I want him to experience all those, all the other things, too. Exactly. So what would you suggest if somebody's listening and they're like, yeah, I think maybe I do. I need some I need some support around mm-hmm. something that I'm doing that I feel is in conflict. What would you suggest? What are some good steps to take as a first few? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of key steps. The very first one is to start journaling every single day, um, even if that's just a couple sentences, just journaling a bit about how you're feeling, what your day was like and and any ideas that you have. I think helps a lot. Uh, we have a forum where our members come on gamecores.com to kind of journal and being able to, to journal about their day helps them process their thoughts and clarify their thinking and process their emotions. It's really important. So journaling is step one. Step two is to start identifying why it is that you're drawn to whatever it is, right? So if you're gaming, is it because that's where your friends are? Is it because that's what you do with all your free time? Is it where you feel confidence because you actually matter in the game? Identifying the needs that gaming or X fulfills for you is really important. The next thing you want to do is identify some replacement activities. So if you're gaming because it's where you get to see constant measurable growth, then trying to find some other skill-based activity is really good. So whether that's like learning a new language, learning an instrument, for me that was DJing, you know, surfing in some ways gives me that. But being mm-hmm. able to replace those needs in other activities is really important because the needs that whatever it is, whether it's gaming or something else, are fulfilling for you, those needs are just human needs that we all have. Like, we all have a need to escape. We all have a need to socialize. So there's nothing wrong with needing that. What just you want to be aware of is whether the way that you're fulfilling that is having a positive or negative impact. And if it's not having a positive impact, finding something else that you can fulfill that need with that is, right? So right. if you need to escape, yoga is great, meditation is great, working out is great, right? If you need social connection, 
finding meetups to go to, finding some events, going to some conferences, uh, hosting dinner parties at your place, finding some friends that you can invite to go do different things, or even just going to coffee shops where you're in social environments. The, <laughs> the second last thing is to be more intentional with your time. And so that for me comes down to having an agenda or having a schedule. Um, a lot of the reasons why we do what we do are just unconscious behaviors, right? So you come home from work and you have nothing else to do. You fulfilled all your obligations for the day. So you can game and you just game. That's what you do. So mm -hmm. if you want to avoid that, you need to be more intentional, put more awareness on the time that you have. So when you get home from work, instead of just having free time, maybe schedule some different activities like, okay, you're going to go to the gym first. Then you're going to come home and work on a new language for an hour. Then you're going to make dinner. Then you're going to call a friend. Then you're going to work on your programming. Whatever it is, try to find some more intention behind your time. Because when we have all that free time, that's when we start to justify the behaviors, right? And that mm -hmm. even works with food, where some people eat just because they're bored. So right. for someone yeah. like that, like ensuring that they're not bored and planning ahead for that is really important. The final point is to find some accountability partner or support community, someone you can go to or some people you can go to where you can share openly about your experience and be able to get their support. So for us, that's the forum where people mm -hmm. are able to interact and share feedback, share strategies, share tips, or even just encouragement. Hey, you've got this. Like We believe in you because when you have a support community who's giving you not just um, ideas yourself and, and also encouragement, it just makes such a big difference, right? And for a lot of people, when you're trying to make a change, it's scary and you're vulnerable and you need courage. And, you know, a lot of people in your life may not understand whether it's family or friends or the people that you know, they might not understand or you might not be comfortable to share with them. So finding some sort of accountability partner or support community where you can talk openly about your experience will really make a big difference. And whether that's the Game Quitters Forum or a Reddit community or, or just one friend that you know that you can speak openly with, uh, that's going to make a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. Because you're right. There is, I'm thinking as you're saying, especially that last one is probably if you have decided something is in conflict, whether that be what many addictive personalities have mm -hmm. a support around them mm -hmm. or not personalities, but addictive behaviors have support around them where it's, if you go out drinking, you go out with drinking buddies. If mm -hmm. you go gaming, you go gaming with gaming buddies. And so you're also, I'm assuming many people find letting go of that thing very isolating because mm -hmm. now they don't have that group of people around them who they were close to in very, very real ways. But now they're, they're trying to navigate a space where they're doing something that feels good to them in a different way, but now they don't have friends to like help them along with, uh, with it. But, and the natural, the natural path might be to go back to what wasn't serving them so well, the addiction, because those people are right there too. And they're still probably doing what you've just left. Right. And probably even inviting you to participate. Yeah. Right? Like, Hey, come play. Hey, let's do this. And, yeah, so we miss you. Yeah. It's really important to be aware of that and to find some new groups that you can belong to where, you know, you still have that connection because the more isolated you are, the more likely it is that you're going to become depressed or anxious. And mm -hmm. all of those emotions are going to cultivate in you going back to whatever it is that, that your vice is. 
Um, so that's really important. And, and I guess just, you know, a final thing is I really believe in something called the 90 day detox. So that's just committing to abstinence from whatever it is that you're looking to stop for 90 days. For me, that was gaming, right? So not gaming for 90 days. And there's some research around that behind attachment theory. And there's some research behind that around if your brain's attuned to the level of stimulation you get in games or, or even porn, for example, mm-hmm. uh, your brain needs time to rewire back to normal sensitivity levels. And 90 days is a good amount of time. So I think, you know, just generally coming back to, to the idea of experimenting, if you're even questioning at all a little bit, or, or whether or not you're having conflict in something, uh, I think taking a 90-day break from it as just an experiment to learn more about yourself and learn more about your relationship with that thing mm-hmm. is a really worthwhile experience. And you'll learn a lot about yourself. You'll learn a lot about that thing. And that will help you be able to have more information to make a better decision. Mm, yeah, I like that. I mean, 90 days also gives you a lot of time to experiment with not just leaving that thing, you know, on the sidelines, but with experimenting maybe with some other things that could bring you more joy or a different kind of joy. Kind of like you were saying about the fulfillment of there might be something more fulfilling that you try in those 90 days that makes you realize like maybe this thing isn't what I, what I need or what's serving me very well. Exactly. And sometimes, especially with gaming there, you've never even had a year since you were born that you weren't gaming. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I just had a member post today and he's 33 and he said that he's been gaming since he was five years old. Wow. So at what point in his life where he had any degree of conscious thought at all, was he not gaming? And that's at no point he's always been gaming. So for him to quit has actually, it's a big deal because first of all, that's a, his entire world. It's all that he knows and he's never experienced life without games. So it's pretty hard to make a decision to be able yeah. to stop something when you're literally stepping into the unknown. Like you have no idea what is on the other side. That's scary. It brings up a lot of fear. It brings in a lot of uncertainty. And so I think the 90-day period is just great to just create what that other side even looks like. Because then you're making a decision whether you're going to continue gaming or not or continue that thing or not, where you're doing it with a better perspective of what is possible with or without games. Yeah. And unless you have that in your life, that, percept- that perspective in your life, it's really hard to make that decision. So starting with 90 days is just a good idea. And in 90 days, it gives you enough time to start developing some healthier habits as well, which even if you go back to gaming or, or you want to try moderation or something afterwards, uh, you're doing it with, with more of a foundation in your life. Uh, so that can help increase the chance that that's a success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I also like that in there you brought up the role of courage and vulnerability. And I mean, I think both are obviously required to follow whatever it is that your purpose is here on the planet. I wonder, though, too, in gaming, and I don't know if you if you want to, if, if this strikes anything or not, but is there something that's hard about participating or experiencing courage in, I'll call it real world settings, mm-hmm. like, because there is a courage, you know, to go get the next boss or to get to end game material, like, there's kind of that disconnect of courage in a gaming way, but courage in a real life way that's involving vulnerability and 
showing up as, you know, an authentic person instead of an avatar? Is there something in there that you see with people that are that are quitting gaming? Oh, absolutely. Because I think just if it's virtual and you're behind a, an avatar, the inherent risk is just lower, mm-hmm. right? Like for for me, being bullied at school, I said these kids used to chase me around trying to put me in a garbage can. Now, mm-hmm. if they ever succeeded in that, I would be completely humiliated and I would be the dude known as dude who got stuffed in a garbage can, mm-hmm. right? Whereas even if something like that happened online, what do I do? I just change my name. I go to a different server. So I have a much higher degree of control over my experience online than I do in real life. And yeah. so I don't have to put as much on the line, which means I don't have to have as much courage or vulnerability. So to step out into the unknown, to be able to make a decision to kind of come out and, and put your own face on the line does take quite a bit of courage and vulnerability, but the reward is also much higher too because you get to actually connect with people in a way where they actually know who you are, right? And I remember Mm -hmm. there was a time uh, I shared my deepest, darkest secret at the time in front of a group of like 30 people. Mm -hmm. And one of them in there, a bunch of them were my friends, but one of them was someone who I was like really worried would look at me like and never want to be friends with me again. Now, Mm -hmm. he ended up coming up to me afterwards and giving me a big hug and being like, dude, I'm like blown away. You were like so courageous and like, I love you. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. For me, like because he actually got to see who I truly am, he connected more with me. Right. And so I see it a lot in our community where they share things like I've never been this vulnerable online before or. I've never participated in a community like this before. Um, I've never shown my face before. I've never thought that vulnerability was a good thing, right? Mm. All these different things, and it's a hugely powerful experience. So that's why I use my real name, my picture's available. I'm very outspoken of, like, all these crazy experiences I've had. (laughs) And not because, you know, I think everyone has to, and everyone has to figure out what the boundaries are for them. But for me, I just think that it's one way I'm able to contribute to break the shame that's possible in this experience and, and instead say, hey, like, look at all of these people who are now emailing me saying, dude, thank you, because yeah. I was willing to be vulnerable and they feel more connected to me, right? And it's the mm-hmm. opposite. By being vulnerable and courageous to share your story and share your voice, people are then going to connect with you. Yeah, so true. Yeah, and I found that to be true in so many ways and it's it's easy to hide behind the shoulds of what you think you should be doing or what is uh, appropriate or or whatever those judgments are but then once you really get in touch with what's behind that and who you really authentically are yeah then that's when people really start connecting and that's been magical well so if people want to find out more i know you're at ga- what gamequitters.com gamequitters.com yep and youtube yeah. gamequitters on youtube and I'm on uh, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Cameron Dare. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. And a big thing that I'm all about, uh, it's something I think I'll, you know, is a big reason why I, I have the traction I do is, is I respond to everything. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, if you even comment on a TEDx video that happened three years ago, I still respond today. 
so any comments, any emails, if you guys reach out, and I love to hear from you, uh, I always hit you back. So, yeah, if you're listening to this, reach out to me somewhere and, and say hi because I always respond and, and I really value that. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that that does – it makes it really special when you can connect with people and then that there's a response. Yeah, I always – I admire people that can make the time for that. Thank you. Um, and what else is coming up? Is there anything else you would like to share or promo or, or whatever with the audience before we get to our last two questions? Yeah. So I just joined the roster at Campus Speak, which is a um, speaking agency for higher ed. So if anyone's watching and you want me to come speak at your school, high school, university, college, any campuses around the world, that's a big passion of mine. That's something I really want to be doing a lot more of. Uh, I think I have an ability to speak to people in, in my generation in a way that really resonates and, and helps them feel seen and helps them be able to, to start improving their life. So I'm really looking to speak at more schools. So if you have any contacts for that, uh, reach out to me and I'd love to speak to you about it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Cam, too, for being on the show. Like, it's just... <laughs> I love the inspiration that you've taken and the whole movement that you've created as uh, as the eventual godfather. The godfather. <laughs> the godfather of video game addiction. I have a new title. There we go. I, I haven't announced this publicly yet, but it's exclusive now on the podcast, The Godfather yeah. of Video Game Addiction. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes. It's, so, it's, it's, you know, the search term can be, can be found. Yeah, for all these people searching, who is the godfather of video game addiction? They're going to know. They're going to know. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. But, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Um, so, if someone listening has a big dream about how they can make a change in the world, what advice would you give to them about bringing their dream into action? So, I would say to read the book, The Slight Edge, by Jeff Olson. Mm. And the whole point of the book, if you don't want to read it, is <laughs> to improve 1% every mm. day. And so the advice I would give you is to start today and to just focus on whatever it is that you're trying to create. Start creating that and taking action on it today in some small way. And then just do that every single day. So for me, with YouTube, I wanted to launch a YouTube channel. And that can be kind of daunting. Like, you see all these people with millions of subscribers, and you're like, oh, I'll never get there. And what I realized was, well, what I can depend on is I can do one video a week, and I can focus on improving each video every single time. Mm -hmm. Instead of it having to be perfect right away, I'll build it one subscriber at a time. And for me, I committed to doing that for three years. Wow. Because if you're not committed long-term, then you're fooling yourself. So you got to be committed long-term. So I was like, you know, I'll start one video every single week on Mondays. I'll release it. I'll try to improve each time. And I'm committed for three years. So we're a year and a half into it right now. And we're about to hit 2,500 subscribers. I released episode 80 today. So 80 videos I do every Monday and Thursday now. Although like our subscribers aren't super high, the engagement is super high. And I know that over time, it's only going to continue to build and build and build. So my advice is one day at a time, but you have to take action. And a quote mm-hmm. that I really like is, you can only start from where you are. And then I added, but you have to start. <laughs> yes. So 
one day at a time, but how can you take action today and every day in some small little way? Yeah. Congratulations on 2,500 subscribers. That's Thanks. awesome. Um, yeah. And I love that too. Like, I don't always chime in on the questions at the end here, but yeah, like the podcast has been that way too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I started saying, well, I'm, I'm committing to a year cause that felt like a long time. Mm-hmm. And so this, so I'm only a month away from a year really. And wow. Yeah, it's possible. And it was, it is one episode, one interview, one, one inquiry at a time. It's not, yeah, I can't let myself get overwhelmed by what the end goal is either. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally like that. Like, if you watch my very first YouTube video shot on my iPhone mm-hmm. uh, in portrait style, and at the time I had a GoPro, but I didn't know how to use it. Yeah. And so after shooting it portrait style, where all my friends like were very upset at me for not even using landscape, <laughs> yeah. I learned how to use my GoPro, right? Awesome. And the last yeah. 80 videos have been done with that. And so it's... Um, just focus on putting stuff out there and just improving. And over time, that's how people end up getting to where they are anyways. Yes. What are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? So one, I believe the antidote to depression is service. So how can you start serving? Uh, One way is just starting to share your story, right? Like we all want to connect with other people, Uh, yet we all try to be the same. And Mm -hmm. by you sharing your story, that's going to inspire other people. So the (laughs) hashtag is leaders create leaders. So by you going out there and stepping into your own life in a way and showing leadership, that inspires other people. And in that way, we're all going to lift each other up. So the very first thing is just start being of service. The second way, I think, is reconnecting with nature uh, my life has got a lot better ever since I started surfing. And it's mostly just because I'm out on the water, I'm reconnecting with nature. Mm. The third way, I think, other than just calling your parents more often, which I try to do as much as I can, is focusing on play. So I'm not a very big guy on like work-life balance. Um, that concept, to me, just generally kind of makes me feel bored. But what I do focus on is work and play. And I'm really good at work. I Mm. am very comfortable doing that. I can work all day long sitting at a computer listening to music and do it all day. But at the end, I'm like a zombie. So this year, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to connect with play more. And play, the only purpose of play is there is no purpose, right? So when I'm surfing, like, there's no goal other than just to go and be out on the water and to have fun. Like, the entire point is to just go have fun. So I only get to have fun. That's the point. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that in a in our world, it's really, really easy to think that work is the only thing that matters. Yeah. Or the only time we ever hear the opposite is when someone tells us the boring work-life balance stuff, which just doesn't connect with me. (laughs) So what I realized was in order to focus more on play, I had to let go of the idea that I would ever catch up to my to-do list because I'm not and you're not. Your to-do list is going to continue to grow until you die. You're never going to catch up. Work is always going to be there. You're going to work for the next 40, 50 years of your life. It's just what you're going to do because otherwise you're super bored, right? And your idea of work might change a little bit, but you'll always be doing something to be productive because otherwise you're just so bored. So Mm -hmm. letting go of the idea that work is ever going to be complete and instead just 
embracing, okay, how can I find work in my life now that I'm passionate about? And how can I also find a way to make that full, fully sustainable uh, by play? So for me, that was surfing and uh, find whatever that means in your life. I love it. Thank you. That That is, yes, I love that you'll never catch up with your to-do list. That is just like <laughs> you your reading list. Truly. Yeah. For every book I read, I add six. You yeah. know, like, because this book references this book and this book and this book. And I'm like, my book list right now is, is over 350 books I want to read. Wow. And I've read yeah. like over 100 in the last four years. Not a chance I'll ever complete that list. Never. It's just not right. going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's something what it puts you at ease almost knowing that there it, it will always be there and you can always read another book. And yeah. It changes the point. <laughs> yeah. The point's not to complete the list. Right. The yeah. point is the impact that you're going to have by working on the list. Hmm. Yes. And I think that is a perfect place <laughs> to say thank you. Like, that's awesome. I'm just going to let it stand. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Cam, for, for being on the show and for everything that you do. It's just been a real joy to get to speak with you. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me. Cameron, thank you so much for being on the show this week. It was such a treat to get to speak to you and to hear your insight about an industry that I love so much and something that has been part of my own life and journey. So thank you for being brave and sharing your story and for heading up everyone over at GameQuitters.com. And if you wanted to grab the show notes for this particular episode, jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 47. You can also get links everything that Cam and I talked about along with all of his social media and books that we brought up. So if you're looking for a life coach to help you figure out some of the questions that life is throwing your way, of course, that is what I do as a full-time job. And I do have room for some new clients. If you would like to sign up for a free consultation, you can go over to Jumpstart Your Joy and there's a button at the bottom. You can click that and it links you right on up to my calendar. I would love to speak with you. And so for next week, I will be doing a solo cast. There's been a lot of interesting discussion on the last couple of episodes around change and how people face change. So that's going to be my topic for next week. I can't wait to share it with you. I hope that you will come on back next week where I'm going to talk about change. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.